And we could turn on the puplet. I mean the the lapel. Sorry, wrong way. Some of you know have worked the soundboard. It says puplet instead of pulpit. It's an inside joke. Okay, here we go. James chapter 3, verse 1. My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he's a perfect or mature man, able to also bridle the whole body. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Look also at ships. Although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature and it is set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and creature of the sea, is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Thus, no spring yields both salt water and fresh. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. I like this passage. As a matter of fact, I'm going to kind of give you an overview of it first and share with you how a lot of people have approached it and how it kind of confused me for a long time when I read it and said, yeah, this is what we need to do. Because when I was a kid in Bible school, vacation Bible school, we used to sing a song, Oh, be careful, little tongue, what you say. Right? And, and it came from this passage. It says... The tongue should be um, careful what we say and what we do, and, and we need to watch what we say, and there's all these instructions and self-help books on watching our words and how we say things and better speaking. And yet here in the book of James, there it is, why no one ever throws this verse in there at the end of that is confusing to me because it says in verse 8, no man can tame the tongue. Yet we got all these books telling us how to do it. Now, if it says that, does it almost sound to you like it's a hopeless case? Well, I can't tame my tongue. I'll just let it do what it wants. You know, might as well. I've heard a lot of people make New Year's resolutions to stop swearing. Profanity. And usually by January 2nd, they have to restart. Because they can't tame their tongue. They want to. But they can't, kind of like Romans 7 where the Apostle Paul says, I want to do good, but I do the wrong I don't want to do. What's wrong with me? And so we find this in effect happening. And, and the problem is, 
in all the self-help books and in all the things that people talk about is they keep forgetting no man can tame the tongue. Only God can change a heart. And only a heart changed can change a tongue. They won't tame it because out of the heart, the mouth speaks. But we're always trying to solve the problem rather than the cause. That's like trying to give someone an aspirin for a broken foot. The aspirin's not going to heal the foot. might take away some of the pain, but your foot's still going to be broken. You've got to do some things. you set the cast or do whatever you need to do. I, I would love if ibuprofen, which they told me to take from my arm, would have taken away all the pain and healed my arm without a problem, but it just doesn't work that way. You can't tame the problem by looking at the symptoms and saying, let's treat the symptoms rather than what's causing it. Like a lot of our over-the-counter medicine, it relieves the symptoms. And that's what they say, symptom relief. Because that's what we want us to feel better. But the fact of the matter is, in our society and in our world, we've settled for a feel better rather than a be better. I think you can agree with me on that. We'd rather feel good rather than be good. We'd rather look and feel and think like everything's okay, even knowing deep down there's unresolved stuff. Knowing that, and yet we still continue the pattern because the world around us keeps putting it back in our place, on our plates. And that's true. So, if it says nobody can tame the tongue, so there has to be something in this passage that guides us to a clear understanding of what this is all about. And it starts with verse 1, and it doesn't sound like it. And when I looked through this and I looked at the commentaries, they all said one thing or another, but they didn't connect it to that verse 8. And I'm thinking, why are they not doing this? And I think it's because they're talking about what the text says rather than how to apply what the text says. Because it says, let not many of you become teachers knowing you will receive a stricter judgment. And I've heard that verse so many times and I'm going, stricter judgment? I don't know if I want to be a preacher and I've got to get a stricter judgment. I don't want to teach Sunday school. I don't want to do that. Stricter judgment? Some of the commentators say, God's going to judge you if you're a teacher worse than if you weren't. Other people say, people are going to judge you for what you say and what you don't say if you're a teacher because your words are pronounced to more people. And it's kind of it, but it's not what it's saying there. And, and I'm thankful it's not because if that were the case, nobody would want to teach anybody anything. It's not talking about a stricter judgment in terms of you're going to be condemned. What it means is your words have more weight. And the very next verse will very clearly tell you this is the truth. It says, we all stumble in many things. If you're going to be a teacher, realize you may make mistakes. If you're going to mentor someone or help someone or pray for someone, we all make mistakes. It says we all stumble in many things. But what's important is as a teacher or a pastor is to know that what you're saying lines up with the Word of God. If it lines up with the Word of God, you don't have anything to worry about. But if you start talking about feel good and prosperity mentality without backing it up with Scripture, you're in trouble. Because now you're dividing the Word of God without truth, but rather with tickling ears. And Scripture said, 
in a later passage in the New Testament that at the end of days, people are going to be ear ticklers, telling people what they want to hear, having a form of godliness, but not the power of it. In other words, not walking in Christ in what they're doing, but rather giving a feel-good religion. And there's a lot of folks that buy into that because it makes them feel good and it relieves their symptoms without taking care of the problem. So, I want to share with you, it says, let not many of you become teachers. It's because a lot of us aren't willing to put in the time, to put in the work, to do the study. If I took a poll of any group of people, believers, and asked them how often they read their Bible, there's going to be some people who say, well, you know, sometimes once a month, sometimes once a week, some people maybe once a day. There's some people who are really faithful, try to read two or three times a day, try to get their morning, afternoon, evening devotions in. Uh, there are some people who say, well, um, I don't even have a Bible, or it's confusing, I don't know what I'm reading, so I quit. Or I don't remember what I've read and so I give up quick. But what I'm saying is, if that's your mentality, it's not really good to teach not knowing what you're reading. Makes sense, right? It'd be very bad to have someone who's uh, just come out of a, a school as a young kid, I mean young like as a seven, six, and they come up and say, I'm going to preach the Word of God to you. Um, can someone tell me what the Bible says so I can do it? This just doesn't make any sense. You've got to have someone who has had experience and able to bless with the Word of God divine properly. Now, Jesus even says, a good teacher is like someone who opens a treasure box and continually brings out something new about the kingdom of God. I love that verse. Because it means there's always something new about God that we don't know. There's always something to learn. There's always an area to grow. And always an area where we can be better and uh, more faithful. And, and we, we all know this. And, and it's not a question when James says, we all stumble in many things. We're not going, well, no, I don't. The answer is, of course we do. We all stumble in different things and some of us stumble in the same areas. But we all stumble in something. But as a teacher, if you stumble, it's more pronounced. And so the stricter judgment comes when you're in the public eye or more public and people are hearing what you say and they scrutinize and they're looking for truth and this, a reason to not believe. Many people come as skeptics and some come looking for a reason to believe. But once you trust the speaker, you'll listen to what they're saying more closely. It's true. Have you ever read a, a book or a self-help and you're going, I don't know if this thing works or not. And then you find out it really does and then you want to find out all that that person wrote so you can learn more from them because you've lost that skepticism. That's what I'm talking about. That is what God is trying to show through healthy teachers who divine the word of truth that you can trust what they say. They're not trying to mislead you. That what they say lines up with the Word of God and it lines up with sound logical doctrine. Sometimes we accept what people say because it sounds familiar. Like James says, not everybody can teach 
but some people divine the Word of God incorrectly. And it's always important to continue to grow in your craft, whatever it may be. But he doesn't stop there. He also says, if anyone doesn't stumble in what they say in the Word, that person is mature or perfect, able to bridle the whole body. Now, I've known some people, and some of you all know Johnny Sams. Do you all know Johnny? Johnny uh, from Carlisle area. He uh, it was pastor at Heartland Church for a long time. And the first time I went there, they didn't have a pastor. Don Young had left. Nathan hadn't yet arrived. And Johnny Sams gets up on the stage and begins talking very eloquently and politically correct, if you know what I mean. Very good words, gracious of what he said. And I said, man, this guy's good at this. I don't know who he is because it was my first time there. I said, I don't know who he is, but he speaks with eloquence. This man ought to, you know, he, he must have some training or something. I said that to my wife and found out later it was Pastor Johnny Sands. And a man who has a true heart for God, if you've ever known him, you know who I'm talking about, that that's true. But he has the ability to use his words the right way. You can tell when someone is sharing whether or not they have the grace to share it properly or it's kind of uh, haphazard slapped together without much consideration. If, if you know what I mean by that, if you ever come into a sticky situation, there's some people who don't know how to navigate that real well. And there's some people who just seem to be really good in that. And that's what I'm talking about. And Johnny reminds me of a person who can walk into a chaotic room and bring peace with his words. And, and I don't just say that from that experience. He came to see me when I was in the hospital and it just floored me with his compassion. And so his words, seasoned with grace, came from a heart of compassion, but also wisdom, learning, and understanding. And that's what we need in our world is people like that. And James says, don't let a lot of us do that because not a lot of us are gifted at that. But if you're gifted at that, we need you. This world needs voices like that. There are some people who are very good at at selling things. I'm sure, Larry Joe, you're better at that than others or you would have been out of the insurance business years ago. Um, there's some people who are good at uh, farming, like Hubert, and there's some people who go tractor. How do you start it? You know, but that your gifting is your gifting. There are people who can do stuff and it makes it look easy, and then you try it and you go, "How do they do that?" I'll give you a perfect example. I didn't think I was going to say this, but it's it's kind of simple example. One night, uh, a Wednesday night, there's one of the folks at the food pantry, Chrissy, used to come. And she had one of those coloring books that has those really intricate designs in it. And she was coloring it and making it look awesome. And I thought, you know what, maybe one day I'll do that. So yesterday I, I, I have one of those and I tried to draw, no, draw, color one little flower about this big on that book. All of a sudden I realized that's not my gifting. <laughs> I may be able to paint mostly between the lines, but when you get small, I can't even see the lines. And so I'm going, is this got, no, that's not got it. Let me look again. And it took me 20 minutes to color a little flower this big on a page this big. And so I'm thinking, 
70 pages, little flower, 20 minutes. I'll be dead by the time I finish this book. And it'll look horrible. But, but the reason I say that, it's a gifting. Because I've seen people do that and it looks wonderful. I'm going, well, that looks easy. You did it. I should be able to do it. But that was my attitude. You know, Chrissy just came across to me as someone who I thought, well, if she can do it, I can do it. But that's not true. She could do that. I can't. But we all have a gifting that others people see and makes it look easy. My wife has so many giftings that make it look easy, she doesn't even think she has them. That's how easy it is for her. She's just blessed like that, beyond belief. And so are many of you. You do what you do so well. I can cook a banana pudding, but you won't want to eat it. I can make no-bakes, but they never come out consistent. I could put an alarm system in, but it wouldn't work. I could probably do some weed eating work like Charlie did out back, but it'd probably be like, let Charlie do it. Seriously, I, I balance my checkbook all the time and I, I, it's never right. And Judy does it here for the church faithfully. The giftings are there. And when you use them, it brings God glory. But if you're, if you're not capable of doing it and you're not willing to put in the time to learn those things, it's not going to bless anybody. And that's what James is saying. That a person whose tongue is going to bless others has a heart of compassion and has put the time in to learn God's grace in their speech. It's not something you can tame. You have to have it within. And so if you want to be a teacher or if what you do is what you do, be thankful and know that sometimes you're going to burn the cake. Sometimes the wires aren't going to work. Sometimes you're going to run out of gas. Sometimes, no matter what you do, rain doesn't come at the right time. And sometimes even our best efforts aren't good enough. And that's okay. Because God understands that. He's not asking us to be perfect. He's asking us to be faithful to be obedient in what we do for the kingdom consistently and improve over time. But sometimes we get frustrated. We want to give up. We want to stop doing those things because we don't see results or rewards. Now, I want to share something with you. And, and, and I looked and I saw everybody here walk in the building. Did y'all know that? Y'all walked in. Nobody crawled. Nobody was drug in. You all walked. Did you know that? Did you know when you were first born, you couldn't do that? People had to drag you to church, carry you to church, haul you to church, and take you out when you cried too much in church. Do you know, when you started learning to walk before age one, you failed more times than you succeeded, but you didn't give up. Because a baby doesn't know how to quit because he knows he can. Because others have, and they know they're making progress. Even the failures are successes. That's why God gives them extra padding back here so they can fall a lot of times learning to walk. I believe that's why anyway. I haven't asked, but I think that's right. But what I'm trying to say is, and yet here we are, got a gifting from God, we try a couple times, we quit. Didn't work. You gotta give up. But God doesn't say that. You tried thousands of times to walk before you succeeded. 
And you didn't just walk the first day. You had to drag yourself to learn to crawl. You had to learn to stand before you could even do that. And to stand without going like this, holding onto a couch end. Or, or in fear that your parents were going to let go of your hand because you didn't think you could do it alone. We learn these things, but we forget them as adults because we think we have to be right and successful every time. Oh, we're not good. It's not true. God didn't put us in a place to be good the first time. He brought us to learn and to continue to learn so that what we do is seasoned with grace, with compassion for the glory of God. So if you have a gifting, keep working at it. Don't give up. Let me try that again. You have a gifting. It's what the Peter passage said that I read for the call to worship and we read together. We all have a gift. Our job is to find it and keep using it and growing in it and not stop. And you may have come to the end of 2019 going, you know, I just kind of give up on all the things I've tried. I just don't know what to do. But today, I'm going to challenge you to re-up. To church up again. Your words can bless. Your words can hurt. Your gift can hurt. Your gift can help. It depends on how you use it and if you grow in it. I would love for our church to have a year where 2020 is a year to allow our gifts, our words, our talents to heal, to encourage, and to transform the world. I would love that. But I believe God's ready to show us some favor. I believe the grant I wrote was a good one. I can't guarantee it because other folks are out there probably got just as beautiful ideas. But God has uniquely positioned us to reach the community because of the food pantry and the relationships established there that say they know people who would come to play basketball who won't come in the door for even a meal. Amen. I'm going to tell you this. On the Sunday of the Christmas program, we came here in the state all afternoon. We went over to eat at Ixtapa. We wanted to honor them. And then we came back, and in the parking a lot were like six vehicles. But on the court and on the playground were 20 people playing. And not kids only. Adults older than me sliding down the slide on the boat and laughing and having a good time. And I said, these are folks who've never darkened some of them the door of our church. And I mentioned to these you know, young teenagers who were playing basketball on many occasions and again that day, we have a meal, we'd love you to have it. When we've had the movie, so we're going to be having a movie tonight, we'd love you to, and they say, oh, it sounds great. Never come. They decline it. But when I mentioned we would love for you guys to play some basketball on our court, and maybe a three-on-three tournament, they said, sign us up. We'll be first in line. There's a difference between, yeah, we'll be there to sign me up. Isn't there? And this is what I'm saying. I believe God has put us in a unique position to reach people who don't want to be in a church, but who will play basketball, who will come to the park, if you will, or our playground, and play, and know for a fact that it's there for them to enjoy. And if we do this the right way, we will evangelize them without them ever coming in the church on Sunday morning. Truly. Because the gospel message is for all. And so, I believe God is refocusing us, re-upping us, but the one thing that I think God wants us to do 
is not to tame our tongue, but to surrender our heart, which is where the tongue speaks from. To re-surrender if you need to, to dedicate it to Christ for this year, to rededicate your life if you haven't done it in a while, to turn it back over. In the bulletin I wrote uh, on the last page on the inside, that this can be a year of renewal and restoration as we church up. And if you're willing to declare your dedication to Christ in 2020, just write yes in that little box. I want you to keep that for you. To remind yourself that when things look tough or you want to give up on the gifting or you're thinking it's not working, that you're dedicated to what God called you to do. Even when it doesn't seem like it looks right. When it doesn't feel right, when you don't get the results you want, like nobody's helping, no support that you just feel lost and alone, that you're still saying, yes, God, I'm going to follow faithfully. Though none go with me, still I will follow. And uh, the numbers under there have nothing to do with uh, today. It just happens to be this year's 2020, the first bulletin and the 331st bulletin I've made since I've been here. Thought that was neat to see that. So I'm challenging you this morning to ask God, if you're willing, to help you to treat, commit your heart to Christ, your life to Him, that you would allow what you do to heal, to encourage, and transform others. That you be a blessing. That you be a healing. And I'm going to say this real simple. Back to the first verse. It says, A teacher shall receive a stricter or more harsh judgment, it doesn't say they will receive a judgment, and only them. It says they will receive a more harsh one. Because Scripture says, every idle word we say, we will give an account for. Every action we will give an account for. And if that's the case, and it is, then all of us come under a judgment. But the stricter judgment is if we've led people astray by what we've taught or shown. Now here's the catch. Every last one of us is teaching somebody something. And so you're either going to teach it love and grace and compassion or you're speaking judgment on yourself. And so I hope that this sticking point today is that you will stick with your sacrifice, commitment, dedication, and surrender to Christ. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I know that your heart is for us. You have plans and you know what you want to do. Yet sometimes we say things we wish we could take back. We we do things we wish we hadn't done. And Heavenly Father, you you expect that because we we all stumble in many, many areas of our life. But I'm asking you today that we would be challenged to be a part of the church of, to be instigating our gift and all opportunities. And if we don't know what it is, to, to learn it and discern it, because we all have some and some have many. And I ask that as you do that, Heavenly Father, that we would be witnesses of your glory and your kingdom established here. 
Heavenly Father, I know that You are ready for us. And help us to be ready for You. For today is the day that You've called us to reflect on last year. But to say this new year, I'm in it with You, Lord. I'm going to stick to You all the way. Amen. I'm getting ready for communion.